1997, there were these pilots. They were military pilots. And they're doing a little uh, exercise in Arizona, okay? That's an A-10 fighter plane. It's old technology, but this was the workhorse of, of our military. And and these planes, I mean, these things get up and go. And I don't know about you, I, I am a, what I call a flying geek. I, I am fascinated by flight. I'm blown away by flight. I'm terrified of flight. Uh, you know, it, it's just, it's crazy, you know? And so here we are, uh, you know, we're flying across the world in big chunks of metal, right? Which is defying gravity. It's just mind-blowing. Which, by the way, a little side note, just something for you homeschoolers. Uh, flight was invented by what? The Wright brothers. Uh, the Wright brothers' dad was what? A preacher. Okay, just saying. All right, all right. So you got these preacher kids who develop flight, which, by the way, flight has changed the way the church does work around the world and has caused the gospel to go further and faster than any other thing invented, okay? And so here we got flight. Boom, we're flying. Oh, by the way, just buy all this, then we want to drink coffee while we're flying. It's just unbelievable. But, but, or, or we want to get in a thing like this and fly four to 600 miles an hour and shoot at people. And then have them shoot at you. What, what, I, you know, that's crazy. All right. One, one of our volleyball players, her dad is a retired uh, fighter jet pilot. And I'm yet to meet the man, but I, I, I keep telling her, your dad is my hero. I want to meet him. Anyone who's got the guts to do this, oh my goodness, I want to know them. I want them in my small group. I, you know, I want them in my life, right? And, and so here are these two pilots, 1997. They're just doing maneuvers. And they're flipping and they're doing all this stuff. And it's night flight. And night flight tends to be a little more difficult. And so all of a sudden, they're doing the maneuvers, and one of the maneuvers was to pull straight up as you and just kind of shoot straight up. You imagine what that does to your internals? But anyway, so they boom, they're, they're, they're doing the maneuver. The one pilot pulls up, the other pilot pulls up, and four seconds later, boom, blows up. See, the one pilot pulled up, Everything was fine. Went straight up. The other pilot, when they pulled up, went straight into the ground. They forgot that they were flying upside down. Can you imagine flying so much, so crazy, that you forget you're upside down? It's something the military calls situational awareness. Situational awareness. See, the pilot lost their situational awareness of where they were in the process. They're flying along. Everything's normal. They're reading their gauges. They're doing all the things they're supposed to do. And they pull off the maneuver like they're supposed to, except that one little factor of being upside down. Now, I want you to think with me here this morning. How many people live their lives in a manner that they're flying along, they're living life, but according to the gospel, they're living their lives completely upside down. They have lost complete situational awareness of who they are and how this life is 
truly supposed to be lived. Now, let me throw out a couple of different things to you. First of all, we look in, at book of Mark. I love this story because this kind of starts the whole process of challenging each and every person on planet Earth as to our situational awareness of where we're at. Mark chapter 9 and verses 33 through 35. They came to Capernaum. When he was in the house, he asked them, what were you arguing about on the road? Okay, the he is Jesus. They're moving along, walking along with the disciples. He overhears a little conversation going on behind him. Verse 34, but they kept quiet because on the way they had argued about who was the greatest. Sitting down, Jesus called the 12 and said, if anyone wants to be first, he must be the very last and the servant of all. All right. I love this story. And if you, if you look at it and you think about it just for a few moments, how many of you have ever been in a vehicle? Uh, let's just say a minivan, you're driving, your kids are back there arguing about something, right? And you overhear it. You know what they're, you know what they're arguing about, but they don't want to tell you what they're arguing about. So then, of course, you sit them down and give them a parable uh, at the dinner table, right? And it just, uh, you know, boom. Oh, you think, you know, the, the goat is. You know, today everybody wants to talk about the goat, uh, which, by the way, some of you have no clue why people keep wanting to talk about these animals, you know. But but the goat, the, you know, this one's the goat. By the way, you have to live long enough to understand what a goat is, okay? Meaning the greatest of all time. Well, LeBron, uh, LeBron, whatever. I mean, come on. I mean, you know, uh, Michael Jordan, okay, that's something, whatever. Uh, but if you've never seen, you know, uh, Pete Maravich, you don't know what the goat is. But anyway, just a little side sidebar for the basketball folks out there. But these guys are talking about the goat. What they're talking about is which one of them would be the greatest. Oh, come on, John. You know, come on. You know, I'm, you know, you know. Jesus hears it. And instead of just kind of slapping him in the face, he sits him down and says, hey, you know, just food for thought. This has nothing to do with your conversation. <laughs> but, you know, I was thinking the other day, if anyone wants to be first, he must be the very last and the servant of all. Wow. Now, pretty profound pretty profound. Do you know something? What Jesus is saying here, and just this one little principle, he literally flips how people think their lives should be completely upside down. You see, the thing is, most people, if you do not have a Christian point of view, you think that, you know what? To get ahead in life, you got to step on some people. You know what? Uh, to, to be great, you got to work hard. You got to save some money. You got to do, do blah, blah, blah. you got to do this. You got to do these things to climb the ladder. Climbing the ladder is the ultimate goal. You know, I start off here. I want to be here. And that's the way we live our lives. And you know, wanting to accomplish and achieve something is not a bad thing. That's not what we're saying. But you know something? Jesus came on the scene and said, you know what? I'm going to flip the script just a little bit. I'm going to change things to where, you know what, climbing this way, you know, most people think that's a great thing. But let me tell you something. I'm going to show you that climbing this way is a much better way. 
to live. See, because when you climb this way, the more steps you take down, the more people you serve, the greater you will become in my kingdom. See, you can be great in your own little kingdom. Oh, by the way, your kingdom won't really last. You know, I mean, you'll, you'll get a tombstone, you'll get a, a, a beginning time and an ending time, and everything you ever did is wrapped up in the little dash, and it just takes one generation and nobody remembers. Think about it. But if you follow the pattern of my kingdom, oh my goodness, my kingdom is eternal. By the way, everything you invest in my kingdom will last. Everything you invest in your own kingdom will burn. Oh, sounds pretty easy, but actually it's pretty challenging. See, here's the deal. Let's go on to Jesus explaining what this really means. See, when we go to here in John, Jesus and the disciples are celebrating what's called the Passover meal. The Passover meal. This is what we refer to as the Last Supper, okay? Where all the disciples were on the one side of the table for the big picture, uh, and, and they took that picture and we put it over uh, in our homes and all that kind of stuff. Uh, this Last Supper, right? Well, this Last Supper was a Jewish traditional meal. It was a Jewish traditional meal celebrating the Passover. Jesus and his disciples are doing this together. Typically, it's held in someone's home, uh, and whoever's home is held in would put on a big thing, the whole bit. Well, it's Jesus and this group of men who have been following him for three years. Do you know that these three guys, uh, or not three guys, that these disciples that are following Jesus, the 12, they had, at this point, seen how many blind eyes open, almost to the point where they're bored with seeing blind eyes open. Oh, another one. Lame people walking, dead people coming to life, demons cast out. Now, that sounds like fun, right? And, and, and Until you've been a part of it. <laughs> but, but, you know, they've seen this. It's become mundane. What else could Jesus possibly do that would blow their minds? Well, as a matter of fact, this particular night is one of those nights. So Jesus and the disciples are having this meal. They borrow a room. Because it's a borrowed room, that means there's no servants or nobody there. They're just using the room. So Saturday, uh, uh, Family Life, you guys are just going to open up the building. You're going to trust Cole with a key. I hope you can have church here Sunday, you know. Just saying. But but here, here's the deal. It's just a borrowed room. So they all get there. I don't know where the food came from. Catering, you know, Passover.com. I don't know. Uh, DoorDash, um, Uber, uh, whatever. So so boom, they've, they've got their Passover meal. And they all get into the meal. And they all know in a normal circumstance, someone would have had to wash the feet of everyone coming in. That's custom. That's custom. But there are no servants. And by the way, just so you understand, in this whole servant world, like when you go to someone's house, you know, there's Igor, the top servant, uh, and then it kind of comes down and boom, boom, boom. And then whoever the lowest person on the rung, the intern servant, uh, this is the one 
who typically washes the feet, the lowest of the low. They go to start eating, and then all of a sudden we pick up here. Verse 3, Jesus knew that the Father had put all things under his power and that he had come from God and was returning to God. So he got up from the, t- from the meal, took off his outer clothing, and wrapped a towel around his waist. After that, he poured water into a basin and began to wash his disciples' feet, drying them with the towel that was wrapped around him. All right. They're all sitting there. They start eating. The least likely person to get up to wash the feet is Jesus. Jesus, in just a few hours, is going to be beaten and going to be crucified. He knew. He knew. He knew it was ahead. Can I just ask you this? If you're in a position where you know there's a tough time right ahead, what's your first thought? Me. <laughs> hey, pass me that potato salad. Hey, would you come wash my feet real quick? You know, <laughs> bro, these things stink. You know, I mean, you know, help, help a brother out, right? And, and when we're in those kinds of situations, we tend to think about us and us alone. And by the way, under the circumstances, he would be justified in doing that, don't you think? I mean, I, I'm, I'm getting ready to do something none of you punks are going to do, right? And not a single one of you want to do. Now, I will tell you this. I know some of you guys are mouthing off like you're going to be there, and I know you're not. I got a, I, I, I got $5 on a rooster that, that you ain't going to make it. That's not in the Bible, and I do not encourage that. It's just, it's a saying. It's just a saying. My daddy used to say that. But anyway, right? And so he knows. He knows what's getting ready to happen. But he gets up, and he starts doing what nobody else was willing to do. And he puts himself in a position. Let me just tell you this. There's beauty of this whole thing about Jesus knowing. He knows what's out there. But at the same time, he knew who he was at this point. He knew why he came to this earth. He knew what he was about to do. And he was committed to fulfilling what God put on him to do. And because he knew who he was, he was able to humble himself as a lowly servant. You know how many people can't do that? Because you don't know who you are. Or should I say, you don't know whose you are. See, if you're a child of the king, if you're a son of the living God, then guess what? I don't need your approval. I don't need this world's approval. I don't need the applause of anyone. You know what? I know who I am so then I can humble myself as a servant and do the thing that nobody else is willing to do. See, honestly, one of our biggest challenges in the world today is for people to come to the realization of who they are and know whose you are. See, we're allowing social media to manipulate us like nobody's business We're looking for the likes. We're looking for the bings. We're looking for all these things. You know, well, you know, I can get more followers if I dress like this. 
You know, oh, I can, I can boom, boom, boom. And, and we, we want to put our highlight reel out there and everybody's put their highlight reel out there. And then everybody else sitting there in the pajamas eating Cheerios going, well, my life sucks. And so why, why is our anxiety level and our suicide levels at an all time high? Because we've allowed ourselves to be manipulated and have no clue who we are. See, it's time, it's time for the church to rise up and we've got to be a people who speak life over each and every one of us and we have to, my goodness, Brandon, you know, we've got to be the people who speak life from generation to generation. Look, Francis, I look down this row and I'm telling you, Little girl, I'm, I want to pray for you before this day's over, okay? Just as, and you as well. Because as I see the generation, the generation, it's right here. It's right here, you know? One of the things about family life that I've always loved, and it was, it was birthed in the heart of Brother Francis, was your name. He didn't go <laughs> looking for a groovy name that would attract people. You know, he said, what do I want this church? What I feel like God wants this church to be. I want it to be about family. I want family life to be the center of the church. I remember running into Brother Francis and Sister Babs on a Wednesday. Now, when I first came to Lafayette, when I first got saved, if you were really saved, if you were really saved, you went to church Sunday morning, Sunday night, and Wednesday night. If you were really saved, okay? Now, if you were committed and saved, then, of course, there were prayer meetings and dinner da, 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 and all these other things. But just being saved, you had to do those three. Am I right? And so I remember on a Wednesday, you know, churches started kind of dropping off Wednesdays. And Sister Babs and Brother Francis, I think it was at Ryan's. Uh, I don't want to throw you out there, but it, it was Ryan's. I went there, too. Um, I thought that buffet was the greatest thing ever. Now it's like, <laughs> what happened to us? Anyway, but it was a Wednesday, and I was like, Brother Francis, you, you don't have church? Oh, yeah, we got church. I keep telling people not to come. <laughs> I keep telling people, stay home with your family. That's, that's the spirit of this church. Now, I'm not saying that's what Brandon's trying to say, but, uh, <laughs> but I will tell you this, through the years, some of the healthiest families in Acadiana have been families that have been associated with this church. And it's because we see the importance of speaking life from generation to generation. Are you with me? Jesus knew that the Father had put these things. When you know you're able to do something, then he gets up and then he serves. We continue. Jesus tells them at the end, just in case you're not paying attention, just in case you're not paying attention. You call me teacher and Lord, and rightfully so. So that is what I am. Now that I, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you also should wash one another's feet. I've set you an example that you should do as I have done for you. I tell you the truth. No servant is greater than his master, nor is a messenger greater than the one who sent him. Now that you know these things, you will be blessed 
if you do them. Okay? So here's the beauty. Jesus knows what's ahead. He's getting ready to have the toughest, toughest moments on planet Earth. Uh, every man there is going gonna, is gonna to desert him at some point. Which, by the way, I want you to think just for a moment with me. He gets down on his knees. He begins to wash their feet. I don't know about you. Feet kind of gross me out, okay? Not, not the most pleasant thing. But it's just another symbol that God uses here of the power of what the Scripture is all about. But he goes through and he's washing each disciple's feet. He knows each one. He knows what they're going to do. You know, there's a guy, he washes his feet. I don't know if any of you know his name. Most of you don't name your children this, but uh, Judas, right? What did Judas do? Judas was the ultimate one who betrayed him. Think about it. Would you humble yourself and serve a person if you knew they were going to betray you? Jesus got down and washed that man's feet. Now, again, this is why I'm not Jesus. This is why I'm not in the Bible. I, I, I would have started washing his feet, and then I would have started playing, you know. And this little piggy, da, 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 and this little thing, and bam, this little, ah, oh, goes wee, wee, wee. I mean, I would have snapped that little puppy off, okay? I'm sorry. Oops, I'm sorry. I hate when I don't know my own strength. Just saying, keeping it real, right? You know, serving people I like, that's not bad. Serving people I don't agree with, that's a little more difficult. Serving people who are going to betray me or have betrayed me. Think about it. Now, let me just throw this out to you. When we start talking about this whole thing, oftentimes people go, oh, are we going to have a foot washing? Yes, we are. No, we're not. Okay, I'll just <laughs> cut to the chase. <laughs> that grosses me out. Okay. No, I don't think that's really what Jesus was trying to say. I don't think it's physically we've got to go washing each other's feet. I think there's certain things that we have to take out of this. And how do we put this into play? Well, let's, I'm so glad. Let's talk about it. So first of all, I think the thing is we have to understand when he talks about us serving other people, it is about you and I understanding the importance of humility and humbling ourselves before God and before men. Do you understand that everything within the Christian realm is all about God and people? There's no such thing as, I humble myself before the Lord and the Lord only. Hogwash, okay? If you humble yourself genuinely before God, then guess what? Then you have to humbly your, humble yourself before men. See, you can't have it one way or the other. And so when we start talking about servanthood, it gets to the core of what's going on within your heart and within your, your life. Can I ask you this? Are there any people in your life that you just don't like? I don't want to say mother-in-law. I mean, you know, if you, if you say that, that's up to you. <laughs> now he's preaching. No, I'm kidding. But, but think about it. Are there any people that, that get on your nerves? Think about where you work. Are there people that you have trouble with? Who are those people? Maybe God has pointed those people out to you so that you can humble yourself and look for avenues to serve them. Wow. 
See, this is called the Bible in action. You know, we live in a time where everybody wants to point fingers about this one, that one, all this kind of stuff. You're, you're a racist. You're this. You're that. Yeah, da, da, da. Man, it is such a difficult time. So what do we do? We rise up with the love of Jesus. We look people in the face. We go out of our way. We serve people. We listen to people. We love on people. Because that's what the gospel is all about. I don't care what people will label me. I don't care. But you know what? I want to know whose I am. And I want to humbly serve him by humbly serving those around me. I'm going to fight for those who, who are being, uh, uh, you know, uh, treated unjustly. I want to fight for that. I want to fight for justice. I want to fight and love people in the name of Jesus in a way that, that brings glory and honor to the one who loves me and loves them as well. So it's called humility. And that, that's one of the key things that needs to happen. Seeing and doing what needs to be done. Jesus did the obvious. Any of you that have kids, you know that your kids have blinders, right? Uh, they can't see certain things. You know, they can see a Nintendo. They can see Playstations. They can see all that. Their eyes are fixated. There's one in the third room someplace in this house, you know. Uh, but they can't see dirty clothes on the floor. Am I right? Right? We all laugh about that, and it's all true. But how many things that we see that we don't see in the adult world? You know, so it's seeing and doing what needs to be done. The obvious things uh, that need to happen. We need to be able to do things regardless if you're going to get any applause for it. See, unfortunately, man, everybody wants to serve. I'll, I'll serve if, if, if you know, Pastor Brandon will pat me on the back, you know. And by the way, if that's what you're looking for, guess what? That's all you're going to get. But if you serve and you do it as unto the Lord, guess what? Your reward comes at a whole nother time. Oh, and that reward again lasts a whole lot longer. But if you're doing it because, because you're looking for somebody to do that, boom. Jesus said, if you do these things and if you do this, you will be blessed. Serving is the blessed life. Now, let me just tell you this. We're, we're in a time right now, this church, you're transitioning, you have a new pastor. And you know what? As, as never before, it's time that men and women begin to step up and look for opportunities to serve. Do you know that there are needs all over this church? I, 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 I've purposely not asked any questions, but I will just tell you this. Anywhere where two or more believers come together, there will be children, right? And so there, there are kids over there that need people who are willing to invest. We've got some incredible workers here that have been doing this for years. And you know what? It's time for some new folks to begin to rise up and begin to serve in that capacity. There are people that open doors. There are people that park cars. There, you know, there's all these different things that, that take place. Is the church the only place? No, not at all. Are you serving in your home? I mean, you know, you know what would be great today? is for somebody who normally doesn't do something to do something completely different. All right, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to just say this real quick. You know what, men? Maybe today you need to do the dishes. And, and some of you may do that on a regular basis. Unfortunately, I became one of those men, okay? <laughs> I told my wife years ago I was washing dishes, and, and man, I had this wonderful time with God washing dishes. 
I had an I had, I had God spoke to me while I was washing dishes. So from that time to this point, she uses that on me. Go hear from God, you know. <laughs> it's hard to argue. You know what I'm saying? It's hard to argue. But here's the deal. Here's the deal. What is it that you 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 haven't done? Do something. Do something different. Do something obvious. Kids, go home. Bless your parents. Make your bed. Let them know Jesus is on his way. <laughs> well, but that trips some parents out. But anyway, okay, here we go. When it's all said and done, when it's all said and done, you can live this life. You can acquire everything you possibly could ever imagine. And you can crack hell right, wide open. At the same time, you got a choice. You can live this life, learn to be the servant of all, following the pattern of Jesus, learning to love him with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and learning to love others as yourself. And servanthood is not a one-time event. It is a lifestyle. It is you choosing to do things on a daily basis to benefit other individuals and doing the obvious without being asked. If you will do this, you will be living a blessed life. Here's my challenge this morning. In this room, there are individuals that do not know Jesus. I'm just going to say that. And you see, the thing is, you can't humble yourself before other people fully until you've humbled yourself before God. Giving your life to Christ is the most important thing you will ever do at any point. And making that choice and making that decision is the most powerful thing you'll ever do. It will begin you on a path of learning to humble before him and before others. I'm going to ask you a question. Are you personally in right relationship with Jesus today? You may be here. You may have been coming for a bit, but maybe you're not in right relationship. But today can be your day to know beyond a shadow of a doubt that your sins have been forgiven and that you would humble yourself before your creator. Would you bow your heads with me right now? Heads bowed, your eyes closed, just out of respect. I, I want to ask you that straight up question, and I want to allow the Holy Spirit to challenge your heart this morning. Holy Spirit, I invite your presence here. I pray that you will tug on the heart and life of every man, woman, and child, that they would know beyond a shadow of a doubt that they are in right relationship with you. Draw them now. Your head's bowed, your eyes closed. If you don't know what's going to transpire, if you were to expire from this life, if you were to die today, heaven forbid, if you don't know, then you're not in right relationship with God. And my challenge is, I want you to be. And it, honestly, it's simply a matter of you confessing your sin and asking him to forgive you, coming in your heart, coming in your life and changing you. So with your heads bowed, your eyes closed, if you're here this morning and say, Eric, you know what? I am not in right relationship with God, but I want to be. Would you pray for me? If that's you, I just want you to slip up your hand real quick and you can put it right back down. Is there anybody here this morning? Thank you. Anybody else? Nice and high so I can see it. Thank you. Anyone else? Eric, that's me. That's me. That's me. When you pray, pray for me. Okay. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you, sir. 
Anyone else? Eric, that's me. That's me. That's me. I am not in right relationship with God, but I want to be. Thank you, sir. I want to be. Would you pray for me? Would you pray for me? Let me tell you something. The hour is growing closer to the return of our Savior. I believe it's time for people to, to be in right relationship. Anybody else? Eric, that's me. That's me. Thank you. Number of hands this morning. I'm going to ask everybody in the house. We're going to pray a real simple prayer. A real simple prayer. And it's simply asking God to forgive. It's asking Him to come into our hearts. Asking Him to come into our lives. I'm going to ask everybody to pray this prayer out loud together. Let's pray together. Dear God, I recognize that I'm a sinner. And that my sin has separated me from you. I don't want that anymore. Jesus... I believe you died on that cross for the forgiveness of my sins. And today, I ask you to forgive me, to cleanse me, to come into my heart, come into my life. I desire to live for you all the days of my life. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 Hey, if you prayed that prayer for the very first time, I'm just going to go ahead and say this. There's going to be, uh, some of our ushers are going to be by this back door. They're going to have a little packet for you and, 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 or they're going to, they're going to get your information. Let's do that. Let's do that. Let's do that. Come on here, Brandon. You can tell them what's going to happen. <laughs> I'm just making up stuff at this point. If you prayed that prayer for the first time, there's a card in the pew in front oh, of you. Yeah, it says, nice. I made a decision. And so you fill that card out, and then you can bring it to the lobby. In the back, if you're joining us online, there's a Connect card link. You can click on that link, fill out your information. We want to give you a Bible. We want to help you along your journey. We want to pray for you. What he said. Hey, and, and here's the deal. Here's the deal. Seriously, reach forward. Get that card right now. That's a great idea. I, I like that idea a lot. So fill that out and, 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 and do all those things. Hey, let me just uh, ask you to do this for me here this morning. I'm, I'm going to ask you to stand with me. I want to pray for Pastor Brandon. If you've got a child or a grandchild near you, I want you to reach a hand out and, and, and pray for them. This is all about from generation to generation. We can all experience a great touch of God in and of ourselves, but if we're not setting things up, for things to be better for the generations to follow, we're being selfish and we're doing this thing wrong. We're called to serve that next generation. Are you with me? Join me in prayer. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Father, I just thank you for Pastor Brandon here this morning. I, I believe beyond a shadow of a doubt that it's for such a time as this that you have placed him in this position. And Lord, the life and the spirit of family life will continue in a very powerful and a very real way, impacting Lafayette and Acadiana in a real and profound way. Father, our desire is to see your kingdom to continue to grow and develop. Father, place your hand now upon that next generation as we pray for that next generation and the next generation. Lord, we do not want to run our life and our ministry in vain. But Lord, what we do, we want to see things continue and become even more powerful as the hour grows near. Father, keep your hand now 
upon Brandon, upon his family. Lord, we pray for the leadership of, of this church, from, from every individual that serves, and for those that are getting ready to step up and become a powerful part of what you're doing here at Family Life. Father, place your hand upon them now. In Jesus' name, in Jesus' name.